The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Welcome to the second hour of uh, the Talking Point here on SFM 104.2-107 Nationwide, where we're leading the conversation. Join whenever you want to on 86 2032 or the WhatsApp line 061-410-4107, the SMS line is 41391, and that SMS comes to you at around 50. We're also on Twitter. We are at SFM Radio and hashtag SFM Talking point. So Brian is here. A couple of weeks ago, we discussed the importance of a will, right? So Brian has subsequently had numerous calls regarding giving some simple pointers to help people to draw up their will. In today's program, Brian is going to be talking about these pointers and he will also be dealing with all of the questions from last week that he, that need, that he needed answers on. But if you didn't know, Brian Hirsch is the chairperson of of Brian Hesh Coley and Associates, and we'll take your calls on 0860002032. Talking finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Thank you, everybody, for your voice notes. Keep them coming, 0860002032. Happy Mandela Day, Brian. Yes, KG, and I must share a story with you. I was in London a few weeks ago mm-hmm. at Parliament Square next to by Westminster Abbey, mm-hmm. which, as you know, that's where the king was crowned. Mm-hmm. There's a magnificent statue of Nelson Mandela mm. and there's, with Winston Churchill and other very, very world figures. Lovely to see that. He's wow. a loved man, absolutely loved man. He's a loved man. Yeah. So what are you doing this Mandela Day? Well, I'm working, Kathy. I've got no choice. But I will share one he thing. Calls, with, he too calls me Kathy. Mark, are you noticing? KG, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> KG, I'll share a, a, another story with you. A client of mine was Lord jo- Joel Joffe. Mm-hmm. He defended Nelson Mandela. He was the attorney that defended Nelson Mandela. And when Nelson Mandela went to Parliament and both the Houses of Parliament, the House of Lords and the House of Commons came together in this long room, Mm. Uh, and what happened is the guest speaker, which was Nelson Mandela, he walked up up the uh, up the passage to go. Uh, so he went po- through all the crowd to get onto the platform, mm-hmm. and he turned round and he stood there and he looked around as he always did, mm-hmm. and he saw Joel Joffe and he said, "Ah, there's my good friend Lord Joel Joffe who got me 27 years in jail." <laughs> and Joel Joffe told me how embarrassed he was, and then Nelson Mandela said, "I'm only joking, Lord Joffe. You did." everything in your power with your team and everything like that. So that was a wonderful story that the late, he's now late Lord Joel Joffe. Wow. You know, what can you do about life? We get older and we, you know, we the pass on. The cycle is we live, then we die. Yeah, but but we do pass on to generations. And Nelson Mandela was an absolute global icon uh, and uh, well-revered and, and, and well-respected by all, th- all throughout the world, which gives a lot of credence to, to South Africa. Fantastic. So why should I have a will? Okay, why should you have a will? Let me just firstly make the following comment. I'd just like to deal with it. I apologize to all those people who called me after last week's program. You're I, famous, Brian. I, thank you very much. I was inundated <laughs> with calls. Uh-huh. I wasn't able to get back to everyone. And before we get into the will, I'd like to just answer questions that were asked to me last year. I mean, last week. I just want to make the comment, I'm going to be dealing with the will. I'm not a lawyer, so therefore I'm not going to be able to answer any major legal questions that you may have, but I'm going to give pointers 
and the reasons you have to have a will. Okay. But let me just answer a few questions. The first question I got last week that I couldn't answer is what has happened to the CTC and Railways Pension Fund? Anyway, simply the answer is it changed its name to the SA Rail Commuter Corporation Limited Provident Fund on the 1st of July 1996 and then to Prasa Provident Fund on the 1st of June 2009. The fund is still registered with the FSCA with the registration number, and I'll go slowly for that person who did call me, 12-8-26468. And according to the FSA's list of active funds, it's administered by NMG administrators, and their telephone number is 011509 3,000. The next question is I got from, from Jackie who asked me about process that you've been made an offer and I, I'm not and, and our, our information is we're not aware of any offer but there are corporate actions in the pipeline where the cross holding between NASPERS and process is going to be reduced so I'm not quite sure. The next question I got to about was ISCO and someone phoned me and said that they had 1,100 ISCO and what happened to them? Well ISCO any shareholder with less than a thousand shares got paid out in cash. Holders with more than one thousand shares received Kumba and Exara shares, and you need to check up with the with the company's uh, transfer transfer and to see where your shares may be. And then I also got asked a lot of questions about listing and what people can do. So how does a 24-year-old develop a credit score? Well, the best way is through a cell phone. Um, the best way is a cell phone contract. Make sure you discipline and you pay it off. But that's the best one way. The other is store accounts, where you open store accounts, where you have period to pay off. But don't don't get yourself into trouble. Make sure you pay off. And then someone who's been listed and who settles the debt, that can take anything up to 12 to 24 months to get your name removed from that list. So if you, for example, let's say defaulted on payments on a motor car and you now have repaid that amount and you now want to apply for a bond, you, you may still be listed, but you can prove that if you can settle, that will go some way. But to get off that list, it does can take anything up to 12 to 24 months. And the caller we had said it was going to take three months. So, And you're, everyone is entitled to one free credit rating from the credit bureau on a yearly basis to see what you what you what it's all about and that will also explain to you what those numbers are people ask me about numbers different numbers 960 1400 uh and those num numbers represent a, a rating of your credit score. And you can get that. Everyone is entitled to one free report from a credit rating company on a yearly basis. So that just deals with the questions last week. Let's get back to the will, mm -hmm. KG. Yeah. So very simply, uh, a good friend of mine recently passed away and the family cannot find the will. It appears that she's died intestate. That means without a will. It will get sorted out. But there are going to be many delays, the most severe being that the beneficiaries are not able to access, access any funds until the master has been has appointed an executor. And this process can take weeks. Recent articles in the press, and this not only South Africa, have indicated that more than 70% of South Africans die without leaving a valid will. 
and how much 70, 70 more than 75 percent but it's not a kg it's not only south africa mm. globally people mm. don't see the need for a will i was saying on the radio that aretha franklin didn't die with a, a valid will he had left a piece of paper stipulating what she wants under a sofa well, it's valid it if it's, if it's, to be if it's, valid. it's yeah. valid if it's witnessed and yeah. signed and everything correctly. Mm. But uh, 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 this can cause great hardships for families and dependents. But without a valid will, the consequences could be as follows. The wrong people could end up inheriting funds. Often this can lead to family conflict, uh, who's entitled to what, and, other fa- and other, often family conflicts result in the state taking years to wind up. For children under the age of 18, inheritance could be forced to invest in the government guardian fund rather than receiving an advice from a professional advisor. And that's the most terrible thing because you go into a fund, you've got no access to that fund, you've got real no, it's just invested for the miners. And there are lots of complications when you're dealing with any any government body. And and why is it so important? Because an, an advisor can assess both growth and income requirements, you know, taking into account rising living costs, economic uncertainty, geopolitical issues, which the government fund may be doing, but unknown to anyone there. The advisor is also able to help the family make investment decisions in their best interest, whereas in the Guardian Fund, it's left to unknown individuals with take, out taking into account each individual's own set of circumstances. And one of the big dangers, if you die without a will, is who's going to be the guardian of the children. Well, there may be automatic guardians, a husband and wife, but what happens if the, one of the spouses has deceased previously and now the spouse dies? Who's going to be the guardians? So some of the pointers that I would like to, 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 to mention about the will, and I hope if you've got pen and paper, what you need to do for, to do a will is firstly... You need to name the person who's going to inherit. Mm-hmm. That's obviously mm-hmm. who's going to inherit the money. Mm-hmm. You need to appoint someone who's going to be executor, who is the individual who will liaise with the master's office and then wind up the will. They will their responsibility is collect all assets and paying all liabilities at date of death. It's laborious and time-consuming, and it's important that anyone with assets above 250000 have a will. If you have adult children who are responsible, one of them could be appointed. If you appoint a professional firm, then the statutory fee is 3.5% plus VAT of the value of the state. That could be substantial because if you create a will today and die in 40 years' time, the value of your state could be enormous and that 3.5% could be very large. So uh, this does exclude life policies where they're beneficial. Can I ask you to pause, Brian, so we go to a quick commercial break and then you continue. We're talking uh, wills with uh, Brian Hirsch. Call on 086-000-2032. Talking finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Welcome back, Brian Hirsch. Tuesday it is. Brian is here. And uh, some weeks ago, we discussed the importance of a will. And he's had uh, numerous calls regarding giving people pointers and to help them draw uh, and pointers to helping them draw up their will. And he's here to respond to all of those. And we'll take your calls just now. Go on, Brian. Well, the, the next thing is if you have young children, you need to appoint a guardian. Also, what's important, if money is left to children and something happens to one of the children, one of the child, during this situation, and then money is to go to children who are under the age of 18, 
then the advice is you need to have a trust. It's called a testamentary trust because mm-hmm. you, anyway, no, you don't even want children under the age, in, age of 18. They can't inherit. And even at 18, you maybe don't want children to inherit assets mm. when they should be studying and doing other things. Mm. So, and, and then you would need to use a professional firm. Um, we have an association, but this doesn't mean any, it's just a mention. We have an association with a firm that does will. They do charge for it, and, and it depends how complex it is. But if anyone needs to have a will drawn up, you can always send me an email on info at anchorcapital.co.za. Info at anchorcapital.co.za, and we will refer you to someone who'd be able to help you. But that doesn't stop you going to a bank. It doesn't stop you appointing your own financial And do they advisor. not say that with the banks it's a free service uh, in a way? Yes, but remember, it's not, there are no free lunches. There it's, are no free it's lunches. It's a free service, but you point the bank the executor. And if you appoint the exec- bank executor, mm. statutory, statutory fees are 3.5% plus VAT. If you appoint, for example, your wife or your husband, and your wife then goes to a bank and says, what will you charge me for doing the will? Mm -hmm. The bank, you could negotiate that fee down depending on the size of the state to one and a half or two percent. So you have a negotiating ability. Mm. And two, if you appoint a financial institution, you are just a number in their books. And you can do nothing about it to take away the estate because the only person that can do that is the deceased and if you, as the spouse, now appoint the bank and they're not doing a good job, you can actually remove the estate and move it to another firm mm. where maybe you'll get better service. And so many people who do have wills complain about the service and the length of time. The length of time often is the fact where there's no will and the executor's appointed and now the family start to fight about who's getting what. Mm, mm. And, uh, and there's all things. And if you're unmarried and you don't have a will and the, the question is, you know, what rights do you have to the estate? And you start fighting the estate and these causes all sorts of delays. So my, my message this morning is even if you have small assets – Draw a will. Even if you're young, just have a simple will which says, I leave everything that I may have to so-and-so mm-hmm. who you wanted to go. You may not want it to go to your parents. You may want it to go to a brother or sister, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is that it? Does that cover everybody so I can go to the calls? You can now go to the calls. Okay. Yanush in Cape Town. Good morning, Yanush. Yanush. Uh, our system has frozen. Okay, uh, keep calling as they reboot on 086-000-2032. Hi, Anush, good morning. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Hi, Hi. good morning. Hi, Hi, Casey. Hi, Brian. Good morning, Anush. Brian, I've got a question to you regarding the taxes. Uh, I've got a small company and it's still working at, at old age. I, my wife is pushing me to retire, but, you know, I, I cannot afford it. Uh, the, the point is the, the taxes. We, as a, as a personal, we have personal taxes and company taxes. We pay the taxes, and some of the money which are left as a profit, I'm trying to put somewhere, you know, for for my not older because I'm old, <laughs> but just when I completely retired. Uh, but uh, my question is how we can save ourselves because now we're talking about. You put it, I've got that some, like say, in the, in the bank money uh, for the 32 days. And I heard that if I will have to, a lot of money there, not a lot of money, then I have to pay taxes above this. I'm paying the taxes, personal taxes, company taxes, and then 
when you saving and saving and saving, then you have to pay some taxes. How can we avoid it or not avoid it? Not, I'm not, not against the tax system because we have to pay the taxes uh, in other countries. Unfortunately, taxes going different way, not not the way we supposed to be. But I'm I'm upset about it. But how we can, if we saving and saving, how we can save also not to pay too much taxes and have a, the better input to, for our old old time. Janusz, very, very interesting, the pension you made. Now, look, obviously, this question has many answers depending on the size of the company. But if it's a family family company and it's very much in a, a smaller type of company, you pay tax firstly at the company rates of tax. And then if you want to get the money out, you've got to declare a dividend. So you're going to be paying 20% on the dividends tax. Sometimes it's better not to pay out all the earnings to the individual as well as pay out the, the balance of the profits in form of a bonus. And one's got to calculate what what rate of tax you're paying, but at, at, at only at around about 1.2 million, 1.4 million, are you now starting to pay at the 45% rate? So that's the first thing. Now, when you're going to invest the funds, you want to invest them in tax-free. So the first thing is you can go into tax-free savings accounts because the income earned in those tax-free savings accounts it only gives you a rate of 36,000 rand a year. You can go to insurance companies if your tax rate is high and higher than what the insurance company's tax rate is, which is 30% and capital gains at 12%, whereas an individual's earnings could be at a high rate of 45% at the highest rate and capital gains of 18%. You could use a five-year endowment policy, uh, which, and, which will give you rights also because you can cash in an endowment policy within the five-year period. Uh, the difference between banks and, in and insurance companies, banks can take daily deposits. Insurance companies can only take deposits for a minimum period of five years. But within that five years, you're entitled to make one withdrawal and you can withdraw uh, the, ca the capital you invested plus 5% compound. And if it did better than that, you have to leave that little bit extra for the remaining five years. So there are lots of different ways that you can be more tax efficient. Because uh, people don't realize, you know, someone said to me yesterday, I said to them, I think it's now time to go invest overseas. The RAND has recovered. I think investment, mar uh, certainly uh, U.S. markets are looking a lot better. The dollars are weakened and uh, we're waiting for second quarter earnings season. And they said, but I can get 9.5% in the South African bank. I said, but hold on, what is your tax rate? And they said, yeah. to me, 40%. Okay. So they're only going to get 55 to 6%. Let me ask you to... Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Okay, I see all your uh, WhatsApps um, and the voice notes that have come through. So I'm going to try and get through uh, the calls. It's Brian Hirsch Tuesday, uh, Personal Finance Tuesday. Brian Hirsch, Chairperson of Brian Hirsch, Coley and Associates is here. Cyril in Cox. Start. Hi, Cyril. Morning. Good morning, Brian. Morning, Cyril. Yes, sir, uh, 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 it, it's, uh, it's not that complicated, I'm sure, for you. Uh, we're dealing with a, a, a world that is uh, got a fairly commissioning that goes from generation to generation. Now, what I've read up is that uh, successions of worlds, you know, there's a restriction to the second generation. Now, my question is, if those second generation, the last one, let's just say there's nine children in the second generation, I'm just taking an example. If they are all late, then the third generation will come in. 
the third generation's responsibility to wind the well up. Are they becoming the owners? Cyril, as I, mentioned, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, I'm talking about the importance of a will, but I said to you I wasn't prepared to get into any legal issues. But what I will do for you is I will get the answer from some lawyers what that means. So you say a will that generation to generation and now all the second generation are deceased. So is, is what happens now with that will, does it automatically do the third generation benefit or does it get wound up? Right. Okay. Cyril, listen yeah. next Tuesday and I'll give the answer. Okay. Thank uh, you very much, Brian. Thank Keep you, well. thank you, you Cyril. So I'm reading uh, you, some uh, WhatsApps to you now, Brian. Hi, um, I'm late to listen. Did Brian address the question last week about the Siskai Bus Transport Company pensions that are still outstanding from the early 90s? I think uh, when they say Siskai, they mean the former Bantustan uh, of the Siskai. Uh, I don't know if uh, you know I, about look, that. Look, I got this question about CTC and the railway pension fund, mm-hmm. and I and I did. Answer it. I said you've, you've got to contact Prosa, and I actually gave Prosa's number out. Prosa's number is zero one one five zero nine three thousand. The principal offer is France Bopopi. Okay, another one. Hi, KG. Ask Brian if you work for a government and die single, the only child you have is over 21 years old. The government eats your money, it doesn't give it to your dependents or parents if they're still alive. What can one do so that the pension money be given to your immediate dependents? Or your family, anonymous. Okay, that is a problem because obviously, if there's a wife or a husband involved, then it gets there's a percentage that gets paid to that individual. But children over the age of 21, what you can do is, when you retire, what you can do is buy out of the government fund and buy your own retirement, your own living annuity or life annuity. Now, there are some disadvantages, but the big advantage is that you can then appoint and nominate a beneficiary who will receive the funds. And that's with many company funds. It's not only government fund where the, the pension is payable to the remain to the surviving spouse, but not to children over a certain age. Every fund has its own rules. But buy out that pension if you have no beneficiaries and you and you don't have someone who will receive the benefit in the event of your death. Buy it out in the from a private company. Okay, next one. Hi, Brian. If I register a company, put all my assets in that company, then give all my beneficiaries or dependents shares according to how I want them to inherit, how does this compare with doing a will? Delisani from Boxburg. Well, when you register a company and you give shareholders shares, they now become shareholders of the company and they have every right to com- to, to be involved in the decisions the companies make. A will purely pays out to individuals on your death. So you don't lose control if you're now giving shares to a whole lot of other parties, whether they be children or nephews or nieces, you lose control of the company. So a will is so... Don't go that route. I mean, in terms of the will, the company will be included in the will, the value of the company, and you could then, in the will, decide how you want those assets when the company is either sold or liquidated to go to any any, any beneficiary. Hi, KG. Please ask Brian the pros and cons of taking a tax-free saving uh, account using an endowment policy. Noni. 
I don't think there are any disadvantages. The advantage is, let's understand, if I make investments, I pay, firstly, both of these, whether it's, a, in, whether it's endowment policy, in terms of the, 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 the tax-free savings is a room. You're going to buy tax-free savings, and then you've got to discern, determine how you invest them. If you buy, if you, if you invested them in your own name, you would firstly pay any tax on interest, you would pay any dividends tax, there'd be withholding tax, there's capital gains tax. If you buy tax-free savings endowment, you don't pay any of those you don't pay any of those benefits. But you need to find out from the tax-free savings endowment, because the tax-free savings endowment pays tax. So I'm not sure I would I would be encouraged to buy a tax-free endowment. Uh, endowment through a tax-free savings because the insurance company still pays tax. If you want to avoid the tax, rather make an investment in a unit trust or a, or a Satrix fund or a Signia fund because it, it, all the benefits are then tax-free and you're not paying tax. Okay. Want, that's why you want to avoid, that's why you have a tax-free savings. You want to avoid the taxes. Okay, so we'll ca- we'll go to break and then come back with your voice notes on uh, the number 061-410-4107-061-410-4107. We're with Brian Hash in the studio, chairperson of Brian Hash Coley and Associates. We continue with Brian in a short while. Talking finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Hi, um, so I just wanted to find out, so my mother actually got married and had three children um, with, 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 with a partner, who is actually my stepdad, right? Uh, so we are five in total. So me and my sister were born outside marriage. So um, she, she passed on in 2012 and the, 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 the dad, who actually was the owner of the house, actually got deported back to his country. But although they were married in community of property. So I just wanted to know, now the younger kids, or my younger sisters, I have all grown up. Now, there's this argument about her wanting to take over the house. So I just don't know, since there is no will per se, like how do you go about fixing such an issue? Because the house value is above 1.5 million. Would it, would it help to go to, to the masters? Or like, what does one do when faced with such a, a problem? Thank you. I, look, I, unfortunately, mm, I don't. I, I can't question. talk to you. I can't talk. No, no, I can't talk to you. But you said she died in two thousand and twelve. Now, ultimately, even though she died without a will, the master would have appointed an executor, and the executor would have determined exactly what happened. So I can't answer the question whether your whether the property was tra- whose name the property was transferred into, and what exactly happened. So I'm, you didn't give a name, but I'm going to suggest that I'm going to give my number out at the end of the program. Although I did say at the beginning of the program, I am behind with my calling. I'll get that done by the end of the week. Uh, but any calls that come in now probably only deal with next week. If you, we'll give my number out. You can give me a call and we can discuss it off air. Next one. Ma- I'm Brian. So I'm currently an executor of my mom's late mom's estate. She died over a year ago. I've been retrenched with COVID. Don't have an income at the moment. Um, how do you go about if the house is more than 500,000 rand to the value? Because that is what is left. How do I wind up an estate without money? And the only asset is the property. The five hundred thousand yeah, rand worth. It, it, property. Look, it, it, look, it, it is a. I mean, it, I, I can't ask you whether your mom obviously didn't have any. She didn't work for a company where maybe there was a pension fund mm-hmm. or where there was life cover on the fund. Assuming you said there's no other money, it is a problem now. You've got. You're going to have to get the bank to advance money 
on the security of the property. Uh, if you're winding up the estate, any any estate up to two hundred and fifty thousand is a lot easier to wind up. Five hundred thousand needs to go through the master's office. Again, may I suggest I'm going to give my number out and I can refer you to an attorney who may be able to help you. Morning, Brian. It's Jackie. I called last week. Holders of process shares have been sent an offer uh, based on the various type of shares to accept a capital repayment or some of us a capital uh, repayment um, plus a cash dividend. I need to ask you, please explain what is a capital repayment. And if you elect to take the capital repayment of the share, does it mean you don't own the share anymore? Brian, Jack, yeah. I would really appreciate yeah. your help. I've tried uh, Auntie Google, but I can't find the answer I'm looking for. Thank you. It's ja Jackie from Cape. Auntie ja Google. Hi, yeah. Brian. Sorry, let me just answer that. Jackie, I did, com I did comment on it right at the beginning of the program that we did not see any corporate action in the pipeline other than the fact that the, the cross-holding between the two companies. So I'll have to go back. So I'm going to give my number out, Jackie. Uh, at the end of the program, and you can give me put a call on my radio line, and I will get uh, I will get more clarity on it because obviously there's more to this than just the answer I got from a, a particular stockbroker. Hi, Brian. It's Noni uh, in KZN. Can you please explain a tax-free saving account which is taken within the endowment policy? What are the benefits? the pros and the cons. Thank you. Bye-bye. Noni, I, I don't see any cons in the tax-free savings. I'm just a little bit puzzled why one would take an endowment policy in a tax-free savings. The beauty of an endowment policy is at the end of the five years, it's paid out to the, 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 the investor and it's tax-free because tax has been paid in the endowment. What you're in... Now, I made the point that the, the insurance company that you take the endowment with, whoever it may be, pays tax of 30% on any income earned and ultimately on any capital gain, it pays 18, 12% as compared to 18% by an individual at a maximum rate. So I don't know if they're actually tax-free endowment policies that, that you may be referred to because if it's a tax-free endowment, I'm saying what's the advantage of a tax-free endowment if everything is already tax-free in a tax-free savings, I would rather, do, can I can invest in the exact same structures that the insurance company can personally. I could go into government bonds, I can go into money market accounts. For example, if you go into a money market account, whereas the individual normally would pay tax, in, an, in a tax-free savings, you don't pay tax, although there are allowances where this first 22800 for a person under the age of 65 and someone over the age of 65, 34,500 of interest earned is not taxable. So I, I need to get some clarity on that, Noni, particularly the endowment comment and why would I buy an endowment? And I'll give an answer next week on that particular question. Okay, um, here are some WhatsApps as well. I have a sole trade transport business, uh, Brian. How will I make sure my family go on after uh, my death? Uh, must I register a trust? 
No, that's not going to help because you're, you're asking me a question. I mean, what is going to happen to the business if you're a sole proprietor? Mm-hmm. What is, who's going to drive your truck? What's going to happen to the monies you owe on the truck if you do owe any money? I mean, succession planning in a business is critical. You know, people can spend a lifetime building a business and they die, and that business dies with them because there's no succession planning. Mm. Now, you're talking, your family would then have to apply, appoint a driver, take on all the risks of having a driver drive the truck, the insurance and the cost. You know, the only way you can protect yourself is possibly in that instance is by taking some life insurance to protect your family and also life insurance to make sure that in the event of your death, there's no liabilities in your estate because of money owed on the truck and your family may have to sell the truck. But it's a it's a bigger question that you need to have with your family. What is going to happen on your death? And it's many businesses, not just the fact that you drive a truck. It's many businesses that people do not have succession planning. And anything where there's intellectual capital, uh, sometimes that's lost. I mean, I'm busy with a situation at the moment where uh, the, the gentleman is in the medical field, uh, supplies medical uh, me- medical supplies, and if something happens to him, the value of that business closes down. There is no real value. So succession planning is very critical in a financial plan and particularly financial plan when it comes to estate planning for your family. KG, please ask Brian, is the electoral will acceptable or should I always have the will written? I'm confused. I don't know. what. what, Do you know what an electrical will is? Do you know, KG? I, I don't know. No, you should always have a written will that clearly sets out who's going to inherit and all the pointers are, um, all the pointers that I gave today. Okay, another one. What if I have a relative who wants to write a will, but he or she is illiterate, uh, but they want me to assist, but I deny to do that because I fear I may be accused of fraud in future when that person dies. Brian Mabaye from Protea Glen. Brian, anyone can write a will, but when you talk about someone being illiterate, how are they going to deal with the will and all the components that need to go into that will? You are the one that's doing drawing the will. You should do it. Uh, and who you leave your assets to as well. So, you know, the, once you've got something written down, it doesn't matter who's written it for you, as long as it's signed and it's witnessed and it's clear and dated correctly and every page signed and witnessed, that is the will that will stand. So it doesn't matter who writes it, but you make the comment and you actually state to the point the person's illiterate. Well, Either you must write the will and make decisions on who's getting the assets and the executors and the guardians and trusts if they're minor children and all the points are made. But, uh, you know, if you're not able to do it, you know, get yourself an attorney or alternatively, alternatively, you can even go to one of the news the agencies, uh, the the. Um, different agencies that, and, and buy a will over, buy, buy, get, get the will or even download a will. But just make sure that you deal with it correctly, particularly where their children and trusts are needed to be involved. He has a voice note. Hi, good morning, Casey. Good morning, Brian. Brian, every time I get a quarterly statement uh, from the company that I invested in, there's always an amount that they say I would have gained this capital gain if I had sold the whole investment on a certain date. What does that mean? Because now I got one that says I would have gained 87000 if I had sold uh, my investment on a certain date. I, I don't understand 
how really I can benefit from that. What does it really mean? Thank you. Okay, well, that's, that deals with a lot of questions we've had this morning on tax-free savings. There is no tax-free capital gains on a tax-free savings account. But if anyone makes an investment with an investment house, a, a unit trust, uh, as I said, and I include in that suite of unit trusts, I always repeat the Satrix, Insignia, and individual unit trust, there is a gain. Now, what individuals don't always realize that whatever gain you've made, whether you've got a share portfolio or an investment, there is a capital gains tax to be paid other than an endowment policy. So in this particular case, you are saying there's been a gain. That gain will be added. If you, if you now realize that gain, 40% of that gain will be added to your taxable income for the year. So if we're talking about a gain, let me, let me use numbers simply, on 100,000 rand, 40% of 100,000, 40,000 rand will be added to your taxable income and you'll be taxed accordingly. And if your taxable income is low, you'll pay a low rate of capital gains. If your taxable income is high and you're in a high tax bracket, you will pay that amount on the gain. And that's why the tax-free savings is so valuable because up to 36000 a year, you're not going to pay. So if you've been now investing for five years at the average, let's call it, that was 30, then 33, then 36, you've invested something like 150, 170,000. Let's say it's now worth 200,000. If I'd made that investment in not a tax-free saving, I would be paying 40% of that to earn that gain. Whatever that gain was on my investment, I would be paying some tax. So you will pay tax if you realize that investment, and I repeat, whatever the gain was, 40% in, per, uh, in your personal capacity. If you're showing a gain in a trust, then it's 80%. It's double, it's double the, the tax. So that's why when you're making these investments, it's not about the before tax return. It's the after tax return that counts. And uh, here's another voice note. Okay. Uh, Okay, it's text. Uh, so let me read it. Is there any merit, Brian, in distributing your assets before you die in order to reduce estate duty tax? Thanks, Peter. Peter, in terms of the law, you, you, donations between husbands and wives do not attract what we call donations tax. When you distribute to anyone else other than the, the spouses, the donations tax even your children. Even your children. Yeah. The first hundred thousand rand a year of the, of distribution does not, is, does not be is not subject to capital gains tax. Anything above that is subject to a twenty percent capital gains tax, which is exactly the same rate you pay if you die and leave monies to your children in excess of three and a half million rand. So there are different formulas, but simply distributing it to your children, either in, in terms of your will or distributing it to your children now, whilst you're still alive, you're still going to pay in excess of 100,000, 20%. And in terms of distributing to, to children, once you die, the first three and a half million, which is a lot more than the 100,000. So depending on your circumstances, depending on the size of your estate, would determine whether it's better to do it now and pay the 20% or wait uh, and let it rather go through the wall. Morning, Brian and KG. Please explain the donations for children and what type of account is recommended for those donations. And how do you declare such donations to SARS from Silo Sinama in Lipalale. So no, no, there's an, an on your tax return, 
there's a there's a, there's a, a, a field which says have you made any donations and you show it there and that will attract donations tax but let me make this comment i was asked by kathy last week to deal with what happens uh, how uh, how can parents what options do parents have for investing for children and i will be dealing with that on radio on Tuesday the 1st. It's not just about the donation. It's all the different aspects and all the different things that parents can do for children. Next week, I'll obviously be answering questions that of, an, of a similar nature. You know, last week I answered questions that I dealt with it while I was away. But on the... but. At the last Tuesday, I deal with questions of a similar nature that have come in. And one of the big questions that have come in over the last month has been the two-pot system about the retirement funds. I'll deal with that next week. And what you can do, parents can do for children, will be dealt with on the 1st of August. Okay. We've got a voice note. Uh, good morning, KG and Brian. Uh, I just want to find out from Brian. I have a property in my name. Uh, which I can subdivide into uh, two plots, and then I want to sell the other one as a freestanding plot, but I want not to be taxed on capital gains tax because this is my primary residence, but it has got you know, a potential for me to can subdivide and then do sectional title on the other area, which is not build anything on it. But I don't want to go and pay tax on it. I want it to be treated as my primary residency when I sell it. How can I do it without having to pay too much tax? Well, 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 you can't because if you sold your primary residence, you would get a two million rand abatement in the year, and anything above two, the price, the the actual cost of the, the property which includes all improvements plus two million, anything above that would attract capital gains tax. What you're doing is a business venture and if you if you sell the property even though you, you'll create a value for that property, if you sell that at a, at a higher rate than the value, you will not be able to avoid capital gains tax. But if you're subdividing the property, you're creating two, two properties, and there's a value that you would attach to that property, and the value above that in, in the terms of your sale would attract capital gains tax. So you've been saying a couple of people must call you because yeah. here we are now yeah. at almost 11 o'clock. Can you believe it? So, so can you believe it? Uh, so how do they get okay. in touch okay. and what's happening next week? Okay, next week I'm dealing with all the questions that have come in of a similar nature. Example, the two-pot retirement system, That that's one. The other question is, is this a good time to be buying property or renting property? I must have had 40 emails this month on that question alone. Mm -hmm. So next week I'll be dealing with that. But let me give you my details and let me explain to you the process. My phone number is 011-880-4888. It's an answering service. Please leave all your numbers where you're phoning from. Make sure that you're phoning from a number where I can leave a message. Let me know where you're calling from because if I call back someone in Cape Town and they're not available, I will pass your question on to Cape Town or Port Elizabeth or Durban, obviously the main centres. Please also leave clearly what your question is. So I may someone, someone else may come back to you if it's a question that I can pass on to someone to answer. 11 Double eight zero four triple eight, and KG. Yes. Great being with you. Great being with you. Happy Mandela Day. Happy Mandela Day. And happy Mandela, Mandela Day to all our listeners. Have a fantastic day. Thank you, Brian.